Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As disciples of Jesus Christ, one of our greatest privileges is to give our money into the work of His kingdom. Jesus exhorted us not to store up treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven. How much do you currently give to the work of the gospel and discipleship in Jesus Christ? Let's open our Bible now and learn how much we should give to Jesus and where we should give to Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus and uh, spending time with Jesus and growing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know what number this is in the teaching. Um, I don't know if it's 13 or 14 or what number it is, but today is gonna be uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ, money part two. As I said last time, uh, of all the teachings in the discipleship uh, series and preparing for uh, for this three-part series on money, there is, is more about money, substantially more about money than, than any of the other teachings um, that I've done uh, in the scriptures. Uh, around 15% of all the scriptures in the gospels relates to money. Um, there are around 500 scriptures on prayer in the Bible. Um, there are around um, 500 scriptures on faith. There are over 2,000 scriptures on money. So, I mean, it's a uh, it's an extremely important topic. It's not something we talk about a lot at Kingdom Discipleship. Um, I mean, people give to our ministry and, and we're blessed and it, it pays my salary and, and, you know, helps pay for obviously all the things we do here. Um, and it's a, an important topic. I, uh, I don't speak about it often because, you know, we uh, I always want to avoid any type of, of motivation or, or, you know, appear to have a motivation that we're after uh, your money. Um, by the grace of God, we're blessed um, and we're taken care of, uh, but at the same time and, you know, preparing for this, you know, I, I have been convicted by the Lord. You can't, you can't not talk about it again. It's a massive subject throughout the scriptures. And I mean, it, uh, and, and Jesus, uh, again, one out of, you know, 15% of all the scriptures in the gospels relates to money. So, it speaks for itself. Well, Father, we do thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We thank you, Father, that you have made us stewards of the resources that you've given us. Father, we know that, that nothing in this life belongs to us. Uh, we know, Father, even as Psalm 24 verse 1 says, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So, Father, um, we don't own any, every, anything. Everything we have is yours, Lord. Our very life, our time, our money, our gifts, our talents, our skills, everything we have belongs to you, Father. And we just thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, as always, we just thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a, 
a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. We thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so again, we're going to start um, the, the series. Uh, the series is called The Disciple of Jesus Christ, and it's a, it's a curriculum, so to speak, of how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, um, uh, the last teaching we do in this series, um, it looks like will be specifically about now as a disciple of Jesus Christ, having a lifestyle of making disciples of Jesus Christ. Obviously, we have to, to be a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, the more effective we are personally as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the more effective we'll be in making disciples. Obviously, uh, you know, the two are tied. Obviously, only to the extent that we are disciples, to that extent, can we be effective in making disciples. And so the scriptures we'll start at is Matthew 28, and we'll read verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, you know, here we have what's called the Great Commission of Jesus. Okay. I've said it before. You notice he didn't say go and make Christians. He said go and make disciples. Now you have to be a Christian before you can be a disciple. A disciple, as you recall, is an apprentice of Christ, a follower of Jesus, someone who's trying to literally model every aspect of their lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally after Jesus, okay? Now, we can't do that until we first received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Until we've put our full faith, trust, and confidence in Jesus Christ alone, for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when we die, we cannot be a disciple. We first have to receive spiritual life in Christ. We first have to, to be a child of God. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. So, but Jesus, nonetheless, didn't say go and make Christians. Obviously, we have to be a Christian first, but he, expect us, he expects us to go past being just Christians into being disciples, disciplined followers of him, right, Corinne, who are increasingly spending time with him, growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to obey him, and, and growing to repent, you know, for the areas of our life where we fall short. And I mean, this is a skill, okay? Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a skill. And like any skill, uh, we're only going to grow in Jesus uh, as we spend time with him, as we obey him, as we spend time in the scriptures, reading, studying, and obeying the scriptures, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in praise and thanksgiving and worship, as we spend time in repentance. Um, and 
here now we're talking about, you know, how as a disciple of Jesus, we use our money. It's been said, you know, either our money has a hold of us or we have a hold of it. It, it can't be both ways. So just a few scriptures to, to remind us. Today is going to be part two. Today we're going to talk about how much we're to give of the money we have and where to give. All right. But first, let's look at Proverbs 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Okay. So you notice it says the first fruits. So the reason that we make money, the primary reason for the money we have in our lives. And certainly none of us do this well. Um, it's something, I mean, I've been focused on it for 25 years and I, I need to do it so much better. But the first priority of our money is not for ourselves. It's not for our bills. Um, it's not to meet our own needs. Biblically, the first priority in use of our money is to give into the advancement of the kingdom of God, the son of God, and the gospel of God. Now let that sink in, because every one of us right now should feel a certain conviction to say, yeah, no, that's that's not generally the reason that I'm out working. Matter of fact, it really isn't the reason, okay? Like I said, I've been working on this 25 years and trying to have a consistent mentality that the reason that the Lord has given me money, the first reason is so that I can be a blessing that I can be a giver into the kingdom of God, the son of God, the gospel of God, and that I can be generous and be a blessing to others. Um, you remember Acts 20, 35, okay? Paul quoting Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Um, and so again, these are profound principles. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, your money with the first fruits of all your crops. So again, you notice it says the first fruits. So again, when money comes in, one of the first things on our mind, actually the first thing on our mind ought to be, you know, where can we where can we give in the advancement of the kingdom of God, the son of God, the gospel of God. And again, we're going to talk about how much to give and where to give here today as well. Um look at uh Matthew 6, and I'll read 19 to 21, Jesus speaking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when again, when our mind is focused, when our heart is focused, not on how much we can store up for ourselves in this life, but where we can store up for the next life. You know, the more we use our money in the way that Jesus would have us to use it as disciples of Jesus Christ, the more connected our heart will be to heavenly things more and more and more and to earthly things less and less and less. This is a profound principle. All right. Let this let this sink in here. Okay, the, the more we store up treasures in heaven, the more we use our time, talents, and as we're talking about today, our money, 
in the advancement of the next life, the more our heart will be pulled toward the things of heaven, the more our desires will be for the things of heaven, the less enraptured we'll be with this world and the things of this world. And doesn't that sound exciting just to desire Jesus and his kingdom and heavenly things and eternal things more? And, uh, and just the things of this world, the fun of this world, and the aspects of this world less? Wow. Father, I do ask you to help us. I do repent, Father, just, just, for, a, just for a focus that's too much on this world and the things of this world and storing up you know, treasures in this world, Lord. I ask you to help me. I ask you to help us one and all, Father, to begin to more and more store up treasures in heaven, Lord, for we desire that our heart would more and more be on heavenly things, on eternal things. And Lord Jesus, you've given us your word for where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. Help us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. Okay. So today, you know, we're going to move on and talk about, as I've said again, um, as I'll say again, um, how much we should give and where we should give. So, to begin, um, we're going to go ahead. We'll begin with this principle. You've all heard of the principle of tithing, okay? Tithing is where we give whatever comes into us. The scripture teaches a principle to give 10% of that into the work of Christ, to give 10% of that into the work of the gospel. It's it's not a place, it's not an ending place. Really, it actually is a good place to start. Now, hear me. I can remember a time in my life, 26, 27 years ago, when I heard this, that I thought it was crazy, okay? I can remember saying, golly, I can barely have $20 from myself, and you want me to give 10% to the, you know, to the church or to the kingdom of God? I mean, I again, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. And then 25 years ago or so, a little more than that, I became a believer in Jesus Christ and I started, I started practicing this principle. Um, and now by the grace of God, my wife and I, we, we go beyond it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. There are people listening to this that think, golly, 10%. So if I make, if I make, you know, if my wife and I make $9,000 a month, you want us to give away $900 a month? And again, that whole thought process is backwards. Because again, we talked about this in the last teaching, Psalm 24, one, okay? Says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The problem we have, the problem I have is that I consistently think the money is mine, okay? Nothing in this world is mine. I can't keep any of it. I'm a steward. I'm a manager of it. And the uh, the last teaching is going to be on the on money is going to be part three will be on the parable of the shrewd manager. And it will really, you know, it should really, uh, uh, you know, drive home these points very, very clearly. It will. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But the problem is I consistently view money as if it's mine. It's not mine because I can't keep it. Nothing in this world can we keep, okay? We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it, okay? So really, everything we have is on loan. Why is it on loan, Corinne? Because 
we're going to die and we're going to have to leave it all to someone else, right? Now in heaven, as we'll learn in the next teaching, we will be given things to keep and we, we will be able to actually own things because we'll never die, right? Which is exciting. And how faithful we are in our stewardship in this life with the time, the gifts, the talents, the skills, um, you know, the things we're talented at and good at, as well as all of our money and resources, how faithful we are in this life will determine, you know, our treasure in heaven. It doesn't help us get to heaven. It has nothing to do with our salvation, okay? Um, you know, our reward in heaven will be dependent on how we live this life for Jesus, okay? Entirely. Our reward in heaven will be based on how we cooperated with Jesus, again, in increasingly using our time, our gifts and talents, and our money um, in his cause, in the advancement of the kingdom of God, the Son of God, the Word of God, and the gospel of God. But getting to heaven, being forgiven of our sin, has nothing at all to do with us, nothing at all to do with anything we do. We get to heaven by understanding and admitting and, 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 and just confessing that we are hopeless, helpless, desperate sinners, and that only hell awaits us. But yet we believe that our God, Jesus, became a human man, lived a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, died a torturous death on the cross we should have died, and was raised from the dead. And in receiving him, in trusting in him and receiving him as our Lord and Savior, we receive eternal life by the grace of God, okay? Um, it has nothing to do with our works or how we live our life. We're saved from our sin and we go to heaven completely based on what Christ has done on our behalf and in our place and are simply receiving him, trusting in him, putting our faith and confidence in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Now, that's obviously different from our reward in heaven is different than going to heaven. We get to heaven based on what Jesus alone did, right, May? But our reward in heaven will entirely be based on how we cooperated with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit in this life, again, for his purposes and the advancement of his kingdom and his gospel, right? All right. So, um, this principle of tithing. Now, tithing was part of the Mosaic law, okay? If you look at Leviticus 27.30, Moses tells us, Levit Leviticus, Leviticus 27 verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord, okay? So, it's, it's not ours, okay? Um, Moses taught that the first 10% of whatever we earn doesn't belong to us to steward, but it's to be given to the Lord. And again, we're going to talk about where to give um, here in a little bit. Look at, uh, look at Malachi 3, starting in verse 6. This is a profound principle here. And again, now this is still under the Mosaic law, and I'll get into the difference of what it means. We're not under the Mosaic law. You know, we're in a new covenant now. We're, we're in Christ and under Christ, right? Um, so Malachi 3, this is the last book of the 39th book of the Old Testament, right, Scott? Scott likes these 
little bits of knowledge here. So there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and the last book is the book of Malachi. There are 27 books in the New Testament. So we're in Malachi 3, and I'm going to read verses 6 to 12. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Wow, that's heavy pop, right? Will a man rob God? So again, in this principle, okay, and Malachi is speaking here to the, to the, to the Old Testament principle given under the law by Moses of tithing, okay? To not, to not give the first 10% of whatever comes in, the Lord called here robbing him. And then, and then he actually says this. We're told not to test the Lord. But here with money, we're actually told to test God in having a lifestyle of giving 10% of our income to the work of Christ. And look what the blessing he says will return in this, okay? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? Now hear me. God is not a gumball machine, okay? Jesus is not a, you know, a gumball machine where you put in a cord and immediately the gumball comes out. Obviously, this whole thing is a heart issue. It begins with understanding that everything I, I have belongs to the Lord. Um, but at the same time, the scripture makes clear these principles of 10% so that we're not under confusion, all of us ultimately, every single Christian ultimately ought to be able to get to a place where they're able to live on 90% of what comes in, okay? 90% of, you know, whatever comes in, you ought to be able to live on, okay? And again, there are principles, there are many principles to look at. You know, when most of us look at how much money we put away for ourselves and our own retirement. Um, and then we see how much money we give into the kingdom of God. Again, it speaks for itself. The vast majority of Christians may give one, two, three percent of their income. As Christians, we ought to get to a place where the minimum of what we give is 10%. Remember, it's not ours. And again, for many of us, this sounds like so much. It sounds crazy. And I already admitted it, it did to me as well. 
And so, you know, perhaps you'll need to work up to that. Perhaps you're going to say, you know, man, I just, it just seems like so much. So start at five and then get to six and then get to seven with the goal of getting to 10. And then when you get to 10, you'll be excited, right? I mean, uh, Stephen, the guy who serves and does these, uh, you know, and, and does the communications and is thankful that, you know, that he can do all this stuff. I mean, you know, he's looking forward to a, d- a day where he can be a double tither. I mean, he's given so much that I had I had to throttle him back this year. Okay, um, you know, and which is to say, he's not given any less. But we just said, you know, that that you know, that's enough for now. You don't need to raise it anymore. But he's eagerly looking to get to where he's a double tither, where where literally the scripture tells him to give at least ten percent of his income. He wants to get to a place where he's given twenty. Other people in this have wanted to got to where they're where they're giving 50% of their income. And obviously the goal of this whole thing, right, would be to just continue to give and, you know, and be a blessing wherever we can, right? Um, Now, again, this whole thing is a process. It's a skill. We're simply talking about what it says in the scriptures here, okay? Okay. Now, again, I want to say again, this was what was given under the old covenant under Moses. Now, many who've heard the teachings and would say, you know, but we're not under the old covenant and we're not. Okay, so this is not a requirement in the same way that it is when Moses set it down. We're not under the Jewish law. Okay, we're not under the law of Moses which is what this was. Now, although we're not under the law, the principle of tithing is very clear. Tithing came well before the Mosaic law, and it certainly came after it. Okay, so what am I saying? Um, When the Mosaic law came, when Moses came, well before Moses came, Abraham gave a tithe. Okay, before it was even a law, before God even said you had to do it, Abraham, hundreds of years before, okay, was practicing the principle of tithing. Somewhere around 500 years before, before God said you had to do it, Abraham was practicing it. Jacob committed to practicing this principle before it was a requirement. It's important we understand as disciples of Jesus Christ, the focus can't be that we have to do these things. The focus is that we we get to do them. Look here in uh, Genesis 14, verses 18 to 20. Genesis 14, 18 to 20. Look what happens with Abraham, who's actually Abram at this time. Genesis 14, 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God most high creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a 10th of everything. So you notice there was no church building here. Okay. Um, But the man of God came on the scene Abram, who would later be Abraham, recognized him as the man of God. He proclaimed the blessing on him, and Abraham gave him a tenth 
of everything that he had collected. All right. The Hebrew writer is going to pick this up in Hebrews 7. Look at Hebrews 7 verses uh, 1 and 2. Now, this is this is well into the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, right, Scott? And this is in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 7, verse 1 and 2. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means, this is Melchizedek's name, first his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem means king of peace. Now, Melchizedek is a type or a symbol of Christ. It's going to go on, it's going to, go on to say uh, that we don't know who his mother or father was, we don't have a genealogy from Melchizedek, he just appears on the scene. He is a symbol of Jesus Christ. When we do our giving, okay, so so Abraham, before there was any requirement, hundreds of years before Moses came on the scene and, and, and God gave Moses the law and you were required to give a tenth, Abraham followed this principle and he gave the man of God a tenth. So again, what I'm trying to stress is we want to have a heart of what we get to give in following this principle of tithing, in giving to the kingdom of God, the son of God, the word of God, the gospel of God, the work of discipleship. It's, it's something we get to do. It's a privilege. All of our money belongs to Jesus anyway, but you know, he in these scriptures is saying there's a principle, a principle of blessing, certainly required under the law, that when you give at least a tenth, 10% of whatever you earn, that there will be a blessing on that. And again, our hearts ought to be, I mean, doesn't it sound exciting? Okay, so I'm gonna live on 90%. I'm gonna use 90% for me. Doesn't it sound exciting that, man, I'm only gonna use 88% for me or 85? Or man, I wanna use just 80% of what the Lord gives me. I don't know, some of you may say, no, that don't sound exciting. And again, this is a process, I get it. But Jesus said where your treasure is, you know, there your heart will be also, right? All right. Look at uh, Genesis 28. Again, now this is Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Um, Abra Abraham gave birth to Isaac. Isaac gave birth to Jacob. So now we're in Genesis 28, verses 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, this is interesting coming out of the mouth of Jacob. It's a profound statement because Jacob knows that everything he's been given has been given from God. But he actually acknowledges, number one, that everything I have will be given from you, but I will give you back a tenth for you to use as you will. And he's speaking to God now. And this stone that I have set up, Genesis 28, 22, as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So again, Jacob is four or 500 years before Moses now, and you know, he is, uh, you know, he is, uh, 
he's practicing this principle, this principle of giving a tithe well before it was any requirement. All right. Now we roll over into the New Testament. All right. If you go to uh, Matthew 23, 23, turn to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. We're in the New Testament now. And Jesus is speaking to the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? This is in the gospel, Matthew 23, 23. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So did you hear what he said? He compliments them. Let me say it again. You know, maybe hard to understand, right? Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day. The pastors, the elders, the teachers, the big shots, the popes, the, you know, all, all the big leaders of his day. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. So they were giving a tenth of everything that came in because that's what, that's what the law told them they, they, they needed to do. They were required to do. He says you do that. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. So we, hear, we see here even more important than this money is justice. You have, neglect, you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And look at how he finishes. You should have practiced the latter. Can't be any more clear, right? You should have practiced the latter. You should be giving a tenth of all that comes in. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, okay? You're neglecting justice, mercy, and faithfulness, which are the most important things for us to live by, right? But, you know, you're still given a tenth of everything that comes into you. Now that's fine. He says you should have given your tenth, but you know, you should you shouldn't be neglecting justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So, again, um the issue is that it's 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 something we get to do. There's a principle of giving 10% of whatever comes in to the work of the gospel, to the kingdom of God, to the word of God, to the son of God, giving to the work of discipleship. Okay. Um, I want to say it again. It's not something we want to focus on that we have to do. Again, there's a clear biblical principle in this, as we said, again, we're not under the law. So it's not that we're required to do this. It has nothing to do with our salvation, but you know, as has often been said, right, by many a pastor down through the centuries, you know, they were required to give a tenth under the law, under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, and we're under a covenant of grace. And it's often been said, well, you know, why would our heart be to give less under grace? Why would we ever want to give less in light of all that Jesus has done for us to his work than when we were required to do it, right? Why would we give less just because we're under grace? Well, because, you know, the desire is if we look into our own hearts, and again, <laughs> I could see it in my own, 
we like having more money for ourselves. We really do. Okay, every one of us here should be able to re repent and say, you know, I, I do like it when my savings account has more than less. Um, and so again, all of us want to get to a point and it's a skill. I'm not telling you to go out and give away every penny tomorrow. Okay, what I'm saying is you want to begin to get with the Lord, examine your life with, again, how much am I giving into the advancement of the work of the gospel, into the work of Christ, into the work of discipleship in Christ, and how much am I keeping for myself and my family? Um, and, and again, it's it's something where you want to you want to yourself begin to build. So if you're giving two percent now, say so you know what I'm I'm going to give four this year. Okay. Now there are ministers who disagree with me and say you know what everybody needs to be at at least ten. And yes, I mean I mean ideally everyone will be following this principle and want to go beyond 10. But if you're at two and let's say this year you get to four and maybe next year you get to eight and then you get to 10, okay? But yes, if you're giving two, 2% of your money to the work of Christ, giving three is better than two. And as I said, you are going to be rewarded. How we used our money will absolutely determine a portion of our reward when we get to heaven, okay? Okay. Uh, it has nothing to do with getting to heaven, as I've, you know, strenuously, you know, spoke about here. Um, you know, you can't buy your way into heaven. But the reward we receive in heaven will very much be tied to how we use the time, talents, and certainly the money we've been given. Okay. Now, let's talk about where to give. Okay. Where are we to give? All right. Again, so when we determine how much to give... Now let's talk about where to give, all right? So you want to give, obviously, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to give to where the work of biblical discipleship is happening, okay? Now, hopefully you're in a good, solid, Bible-based church, okay? You're in a place where, you know, you're not just going in there on Sunday and listening to a message, Hopefully you're in a place where you're in community, where in your, you're in relationship with your pastors. You actually know who your pastors are more than just a handshake on Sunday. The, the church is given to us for the work of discipleship. The church is to serve the disciples. Now, in, all, in our culture, frankly, it's, it's backwards, okay? Everything seems to want to point toward the local church. We have failed in this, you know, very much. We're, we're interested in, in what we're doing at our church and our ministry. And again, uh, I'm guilty of this, okay? It's an area of repentance for us. But we exist. The local church, all the little buildings that are around, all the ministries like Kingdom Discipleship, like we have, are given for the work of equipping disciples, of, of making disciples. We're here to serve the cause of discipleship, okay? We're here to help people grow, men and women, from being Christians to being disciples, okay? To being disciplined followers of Jesus. So the first question you wanna ask yourself is, where am I being discipled? Where, where are people teaching me about the principles of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Where am I in community? Okay, where am I hearing this message about being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Who's holding me accountable to it? 
okay? There ought to be more in your Christian life than going to church on Sunday and singing worship songs and listening to a Bible message. That ought to be dessert in your life. That ought to be about 3% of your overall Christianity, okay? Um, and so if, you know, if that, you know, if that's all you do, you know, if you go to church and yet, you know, you listen to a message and you've never heard from anyone in church, you've never, you know, you've never been in any relationship, you're not being discipled, you need to go to that church, okay? Because you need a place to be giving. You need a place to be giving into the work of Christ. And you certainly want to be shrewd on it. You want to get the best bang for your buck, so to speak. And my giving, I'm consistently looking for places where discipleship is happening, where disciples are being made. Um, now, I don't give to myself, right? So, um, you know, I give to, to, to kingdom discipleship, but then the money doesn't go to me. I give it out into the kingdom of God. Um, but you, you want to be shrewd. So if you're in a church and that church is, is consistently engaging you, you do have relationships with your pastors, uh, you're engaged and they're helping you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then certainly that's a good place to give your giving, your tithe, or, or a portion of your tithe, okay? You don't have to give the whole 10% to, to one place or more, um, but again, you, you just want to you just want to examine your life and where are you being fed? Where are you being fed in the word of God and in the son of God? Okay. There are people that give to our ministry, that give to kingdom discipleship. They're fed by kingdom discipleship. Um, many of them listen to these teachings or they watch them on YouTube and they're fed by the work that we're doing here. And because they're fed, they give to our ministry. They go online and give, or they write a check, or however they do it. You know, Tom handles all that. Um, you know, he's our guy who does all the accounting. Um, but I'm also in relationship, and we have leaders, and we have elders, and we have deacons, and the people who are are in our ministry are consistently right in relationship with one another. They're consistently hearing from me. There's an aspect of accountability. They not only hear these teachings, but they're in relationship with me. I'm calling them. I'm checking on them, right, Nathan? I'm seeing how they're doing in their walk with Christ. This ought to be what's happening in your church, okay? Um, if your church is not engaging you on discipleship, they're not holding you accountable, well, first of all, then you need to find a place that is, okay? Kingdom discipleship exists, right? We come alongside the different local churches, you know, for the purpose of helping people be greater disciples of Jesus Christ. Those who give to our ministry simply examine their lives and say, yes, we are receiving more from this ministry, more from kingdom discipleship in the way of sound Bible teaching, in the way of exhortation, um, in the way of accountability, in the way of discipleship um, than we really are anywhere else, okay? So you want to give where you're being fed, where you're being held accountable, where you're being discipled, where someone is checking on you, where someone is looking out for you. Now, now make no mistake, there's 
There's not a whole lot of this, regrettably, in the church today. And you need to seek it out as well. To this end, look at 1 Corinthians 9. And we're going to do, golly, maybe 1 to 14 and we'll finish up here. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 to 14. The Apostle Paul speaking. We're talking about where to give, right? Paul says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who must work for a living? So what he's saying is people are sitting in judgment on him and saying that, you know, we shouldn't be given to him, right? They're given to other places, but they're not given to him. And he's the one that did all the work, right? <laughs> Look at verse seven. Who serves as a soldier as it only, as a, at his own expense? You know, Paul's a soldier for Christ. He's serving Christ. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? Verse nine, for it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Verse 11, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? Look at verse 12. If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Shouldn't we have it all the more? That's, that's pretty clear, right? Meaning they're supporting the work of Christ. And Paul says that's a good thing. But, you know, if you're giving over there, it's more appropriate for you to give to me, Paul is saying, because we're the ones that did all the work. We're the ones that have discipled you. We're the ones that are, are building you up in Christ. Okay. So again, the apostle Paul is the one, right? Because you remember he says here in, uh, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 2, in verse 1, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? So Paul was working with the Corinthians, discipling the Corinthians, exhorting the Corinthians. He wrote them at least three letters. Two of them are scriptures. He consistently had the, the Corinthians on their minds. Um, and yet they're judging him saying, well, why should we give Paul the money? <laughs> when, when he's the one that, they, that, that really introduced them to Christ, raised them up in Christ, discipled them in Christ. He says, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? You ought to be able to look into your life and say, Stephen, what is the result of my walk in Christ? Who, I'm not talking about from a pulpit, who has really spent time with me? Who has poured into my life? Who has talked to me about Jesus? Who has encouraged me in Christ? Who has built me up? Who has held me accountable? Okay, now that ought to be what the local church is doing and again, what happens on Sunday ought to be, again, about 3% of your Christian walk. So let's say you're, you know, your tithe is you know, $10,000 a month, okay? Um, 
if all you do, right, is all you do is go to church and you never hear from the church, no one is reaching out to you, then maybe you ought to give 3% of that $10,000 to the church, which would be about $300. The other $9,700, you need to give to where the work of discipleship is happening. Now, hear me. Hopefully, you're in a church, and again, they're, they're, you know, regrettably, this is not something that's happening, that is discipling you, that is exhorting you in discipleship, that, that, that really is looking to see that you're walking in discipleship. You ought to have access to the leadership, access to the pastors. And you do, you do need to go to them and say, man, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And I, and I want to give my tithe to a place where, where I'm being discipled and where I'm taught to make disciples. Okay. So again, Paul says, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? And yet, you know, they're complaining that, you know, well, we like to give over here, or we may want to give over here, or we want to give to this church, when he's the one that does that's doing all the work. When he says in verse 11 and 12, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? So again, wherever spiritual seed is being sown among you, okay, uh, and again, more than just in a Sunday service, where, you know, where you're being discipled, where you're being exhorted, Yes, where you're being built up in Christ, you ought to be giving there, whatever it is, whatever church, whatever ministry, whatever place where you can see the work of the gospel being done. So many of us, regrettably as Christians, we, we don't want to be discipled, okay? And then that's on us. There are many people who actually do give, they're Christians, and they shrewdly give. There are people that give to our ministry that don't want to, you know, <laughs> that don't want me up on them all the time, that don't want me bearing down in their business, but they're convinced that we're doing the work of discipleship. So they do their giving, their tithing, they give it to, to kingdom discipleship because they shrewdly know that the work of discipleship is being done and they're not receiving it as much as, as they would like, but they know that's on them. So again, you want to be plugged in. If, if you're in a church, you want to see where discipleship is happening, okay? Um, and if not, you want to be in a place where discipleship is happening because it's clear here you want to give to the work of Christ. You want to give to where you see the work of discipleship happening. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? Verse 12, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Okay, so you see that. The Corinthians were giving and they were supporting, you know, they were giving to the church, they were giving to these other places. But Paul said, if you're helping others, you're giving to other places, you know, in our, in our time, we would say people give to charities, they may give to churches, but yet they're giving to places where, where really there very little discipleship is happening in their life. Paul says, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Okay, so again, you see this all the more principle. So look into your life as far as where to give and where are people caring for you? Where are they encouraging you? Where are they calling you? Um, again, going to church is a good thing, okay? But the church ought to be in your life throughout the week, okay? And again, you, you ought to be there and, you know, in wanting that as well, okay? Um, so... 
the, the place as far as where to give is you just want to stop. You want to examine yourself and say, okay, where am I being encouraged? Where am I being built up in discipleship? Okay. And again, you have to want to be a disciple first. Okay. Um, so again, if, if you're in a good sound Bible-based church and this message that you've heard me speaking about discipleship, then you can give your tithe or give a portion of your tithe there, okay? If you have other ministries, okay, that are building you up as kingdom discipleship, as our ministry is big, building you up, you can give a portion to us, okay? Um, and, you know, but you want to shrewdly give, again, to where you've been discipled, to where you clearly see the work of discipleship being made. And then again, you want to give to where you have a heart to give. Again, and you ought to have a heart to give where you've been discipled and where you see discipleship happening. Um, and, you know, again, this is you're giving to the work of the kingdom of God. We don't give to individual buildings, but it's good to give to a local church. It's, give, it's good to give to ministries that are doing the, the work of the gospel. All right. And look what Paul says here. Shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Okay. So as I've said earlier, by the grace of God, we're blessed here at Kingdom Discipleship. People give to our ministry. It pays our, you know, it, it pays my salary. It pays the bills. I'm, I'm thankful for it. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it's proper to do so. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, we don't go around, you know, demanding the money. Um, we want to see the kingdom of God and the son of God advanced. So again, as a principle, you want to be giving of your resources. Again, if you're giving 2%, look to give four. If you're giving four, look to give eight. Maybe you're giving 10, look to give 12. Okay. One thing is for certain at the end of our lives, every single one of us will wish that we gave more to the work of the kingdom of God and the son of God and the gospel of God. Every single one of us. Because you know what? We can't take it with us, right? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you've made us stewards of the money and resources that you've given us. Father, help us to remember that nothing belongs to us, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And Father, help us to be better stewards. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us into being better stewards of the resources you've given us. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us to more and more store up treasures in heaven, Lord. Lord, I want my heart, we want our hearts to be connected to you, to be connected to heavenly things, to eternal things. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see Jesus, ears to hear him, hearts to understand him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.